Hello everybody, my name is Eric Mercier. I am co-owner of Juice Imports, and today we're gonna walk you through the latest edition of our premium wine club. Uh, we've got a special guest in the studio today. Uh, I'll have you introduce yourself and let us know what you do. Hey, I'm Mike Pigeot. I'm a chef and creative. I work with uh, Pat and Betty, uh, Pigeot's Burger Club, and Pasta Lomano. Nice. Uh, a lot of my favorite things to consume in this city uh, are, are <laughs> coming out of your hands, essentially. So, um, yeah, super excited to have you here, especially because, you know, Pat and Betty is like directly across the street from me. So it's a, a place I end up for, for, uh, you know, a quick little cocktail more often than not. So too convenient. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, uh, it's definitely nice being on first street. Uh, it's, it's kind of the, the epicenter of, you know, the food scene in Calgary at the moment, I would say. So absolutely. It's such a good vibe and nice to have such great neighbors and this creative and it's bustling and it's keeps, it keeps on getting better, which is awesome to see. Absolutely. Uh, cool. Well, I'm going to dive into the wine really quickly here and then we'll get into, uh, sort of more of the interview portion of this. Uh, the first wine today's wine club, uh, you know, as, as I've said over the last couple of months, we, we really like doing these side by side battles to do comparisons, um, between, wines that are of a similar style but either made from different grape varieties or, or using slightly different technique or from different regions so we have two sparkling wines in this month's wine club don't worry i'll, I'll lay off the sparkling wine for a little bit because uh, <laughs> i feel like i've used sparkling wine a lot lately but uh you know everybody's got to love bubbles right uh so the first wine that we're going to taste today is um a pet nat so a petion natural uh from Testalonga. it is located in swartland so in south africa this is their chenin blanc pet nat they make two different pet nuts one from columbard that's got a touch of sweetness to it and then this one that's bone dry uh really classic style um so this wine basically starts fermenting and then before it's done fermenting they put it in bottle and it finishes fermentation in bottle which helps capture all that co2 um, unlike like most pet nats, they actually disgorge this wine, meaning that they get rid of all the sediment. Um, they basically put these bottles upside down at really cold temperatures. All the sediment settles in the neck of the bottle, and then you open the bottle. It shoots out that little cork, uh, you know, little little bit of sediment, uh, and then you top up the wine. When I was in South Africa, I actually did that on this bottle of wine. Uh, so you know, I can I can say that I at least had a little bit of participation, uh, at least for the 2019 vintage. I think. This is the 2021 vintage. I don't remember off the top of my head. 2021 vintage here. Uh, yeah, let's dive into it. It's also uh, 11 in the morning for those of you who aren't aware of our, our current time. So I think uh, <laughs> two bottles of bubbles should absolutely do us this morning. It's a perfect start for a Friday. Mm -hmm. I feel like um, Pat and Betty's is definitely a place to drink bubbles. Uh, when I think about that menu... And I think about, you know, your focus on, on like caviar and things like that. Uh, I absolutely think that that atmosphere sort of demands bubbles. Oh, we're in, we're in full encouragement of celebrating at all times. Nice. Regardless if it's a Friday, a birthday, an anniversary, an engagement, uh, I think bubbles is a suiting time. <laughs> totally. Absolutely. Uh, I think it's one of those things that, you know, people need to treat themselves a little bit more often. I, I think that sparkling wine, especially something like this that is quite excessively priced. I think the retail price of this is, you know, kind of around 40 bucks, something like that. It's not extravagant. Obviously it's not inexpensive, but it's not extravagant compared to, you know, a bottle of Dom or something like that. Exactly. Uh, so this is something that, you know, you celebrate the little accomplishments in your day. Like you actually checked off something on your, uh, on your list. So anyways, deliciousness. Um, all right. Nice. So kind of going back, uh, 
Are you from Calgary? Not originally, no. I've been in Calgary since 2007 Okay, cool. That range. Yeah. Uh, so it's home now. It's 15 years-ish almost now. Uh, but yeah, it's yeah. Uh, definitely, I didn't think I was coming here for a long time. And it's, uh, I've settled in and I love the city. I think it's great. Like, nice. This, awesome people, super social, and it's uh, exciting to be a part of seeing the community grow, especially in the hospitality industry. Absolutely. Uh, did you move here for school? Because I think you went to ACAD, right? Yeah, I went to school. I went to ACAD when I came out here. Yeah. Uh, I did photography at the beginning and then went more in the drawing kind of painting route and then mm. uh, stopped going there. More the hospitality thing took took direction and uh, was in my, going into my third year and uh, took a chef job uh, with one of the big corporate guys and did that for a little while and uh, just a good experience. I kind of just kick-started my career from that point on. Totally. Yeah. Were you always interested in food kind of growing up or was it more of a... Uh, yeah, always from like day one, my uh, my mom's uh, whole side of her family were in the food industry, so mm. uh, not as far as chefs go, but in like, the grocery business. So my mom, my grandpa, Ooh. my uncle, all of them all worked in grocery stores, so kind of exposed to like some interesting ingredients and some cool stuff from a young age. And then for me, I uh, when I was about 15, I got asked to go work at a, a little fine dining restaurant in my hometown in Abbotsford, BC. Uh, and they're like, hey, go, uh, do you want to do this? And so... Tried out, got the suit uh, all set up. Oh, nice. Was like a host door guy for <laughs> a little fine dining place. And it kind of was my kickstart into the hospitality industry. Totally. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a good way of doing it. I, I feel like I never really had that experience growing up. And it's like kind of, I, I feel very, I feel very strange about being in this industry considering that I don't really have the connection. Like a lot of my friends who work in this industry, you know, again, either their parents owned restaurants or were into wine and like, you know, went on vacations and would go to wineries and stuff like that. Versus my family is, it was very much not that way. Yeah. And like, was definitely, you know, fish sticks growing up. That was the, yeah. uh, that was the prime, but it's cool to, to hear about people's stories where they, you know, they actually did get to experience that sort of early in life and yeah. it kind of, uh, you know, put them on in at least a little bit of a direction. For sure. I think mine was interesting because it was more like, my parents were shift work, so it didn't really have like that like dinner time at home and that sort of mm. thing. But it was like more around the holidays and special occasions that we got like the actual like cooking and doing it. But same thing, ate a lot of weird, interesting frozen stuff and like innovations of the food <laughs> food industry, <laughs> uh, if you want to say that at, at the time. But yeah, I think like any kid, it's like you're kind of going through the motions of, uh, of of those pieces when you're when your parents are in that direction too. Totally, yeah. absolutely. Uh, and so that first corporate job, how did that eventually evolve into? Uh, you having more say, more writing menus, being more on the creative side of things. Like, what was that transition like? So I lucked out. I ended up working at like a, a head office for a restaurant group. They had about eighty restaurants, and so uh, working with their two <laughs> corporate chefs and like having that kind of direct line to the top uh, definitely gave me a lot of advantages as far as making connections, meeting people, uh, really understanding what works and what doesn't work. And uh, after that point, I, I went over to Marietta's group and uh, was with them for close to three years and uh, started as a sous chef and was moved into their kind of corporate chef, field chef role in uh, about three months of uh, being there and definitely thrown into the fire, a lot of learning on the fly and it's a whole different dynamic of what I've kind of experienced and people I've led and that's really where I kind of got the, the knowledge piece of everything. It was like here, like learn wine, learn the front of house, learn all the pieces so you can be an impact like wherever you go. Uh, and uh, at the time, Chef uh, Chef Crafton, Chris Crafton was uh, moving into like the VP role and uh, was definitely really influential and just like inspiring me to be uh, successful in what I do and and really kind of pushing that knowledge base and giving me the, the best uh, 
kind of guidance that he could to make sure that I was successful and like invaluable experience. I was like 24, corporate chef, no idea what I'm doing really at that point and doing that till the time I'm about 26, 27 uh, before I started on some other opportunities. But like having that three years of just really growing, opening some restaurants and uh, yeah, kind of fielding a lot of different experiences was a huge asset for sure. Totally. Um, I feel like if we think about food back then in Calgary versus food right now in Calgary, that's a pretty drastic like 180 yeah. from uh, this sort of, you know, the peripheral of fine dining. Like I'm not sure if Calgary was ever like really that into fine dining necessarily, like from a from a like a classic sense, like, you know, there was white tablecloths here and there and that sort of thing. But like I don't think that it was necessarily, you know, you could you're still getting steaks. Absolutely. Uh, you know, steaks, potatoes, things like that. Like we are still, you know, farmers. Uh, and seeing sort of that direction versus now the direction where it's like, it's less about dressing that stuff up, more about making things more homey. Uh, and I feel like that's been like a really interesting transition. So I can't even imagine how your job of coming up with dishes for menus and, and restaurant concepts even has changed Oh, so drastically over that time. Absolutely. I think uh, people's acceptance too, like five, even five years ago, six years ago, putting like at a bar, putting muscles on the menu was like a stretch mm. and you're like, it shouldn't be that way, but uh, definitely was. And uh, seeing that kind of evolution now, people's acceptance of like what they want to eat, but also like the simplification of all that stuff. It's like, I just want really high quality ingredients done really well mm-hmm. and put in a package that is either a takeout format that's just delicious and looks awesome and tasty, or it's in a beautiful room in a great setting that can stand up to that quality of what you're delivering. Totally. All right. Digressing to the wine for a second here. Uh, this is just so stupidly delicious. Uh, <laughs> Chenin Blanc as sparkling wine is just, it's one of my favorite things. Um, Chenin Blanc really has this unique character to itself where it has quite a savory edge to it. Um, you know, often notes of ginger, often notes of, you know, people describe it as woolly, like wool sweater kind of characteristics. Um, I always get a lot of mushroom, not necessarily like dank mushroom, but like, you know, fresh, like white button mushrooms, like that kind of, I don't know, kind of nuttiness that comes from it. And I think this really embodies all those characteristics. This is a really interesting site where this is some of the oldest vines that, that Craig, the winemaker works with. Um, but when he tasted the fruit, he was like, this fruit does not want to be still wine. For still wine, you need like really, really intensely flavored fruit in order to make the best wines. But with sparkling wines, the bubbles really emphasize flavor. And so you actually want a wine that's like a little less flavorful when you're making bubbles because those bubbles will often make things overwhelming. That's why you don't see a ton of sparkling red wine, for instance, is that it really amplifies certain flavors. And so this vineyard is kind of split into two uh, and makes two different wines for them. The area, the the part of the vineyard that's closer to uh, the river, which is closer to the water table, which makes these sort of more delicate style wines, that ends up going into bubbles versus the part of the vineyard that's a little bit higher in elevation that is definitely more dry and yields these grapes that are that are more intensely flavored, that goes into a still wine. So it's really cool to see that, you know, even 50 meters away from one another, you have grapes that are uh, destined to do different things. Uh, and this is just like such a great example of bubbles. So it's a great softness to it, mm-hmm. like the softness, the sweetness, and you get like that warm spice kind of at the end. It's uh, very unique for sure. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think this packaging is just like, it's as good as it gets. <laughs> stand, stand out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. For those of you at home, this is the bottle with the Frenchie on it, uh, which is, you know, I don't know. You don't, it's, it's one of the cutest dogs of all time. There's a reason they're so in fashion right now. Um, he always has uh, really good quotes on the back of his label, depending on which vintage. Uh, every vintage, the, the quote on the back of the label changes. One year, they were listening to a ton of Tupac, so it was all Tupac lyrics as the quotes on every bottle. Uh, this year, I haven't even read it yet, but uh, uh, hook me up a new evolution because this one is a lie. I have no idea what that's a reference to, but I, I'm sure we can all Google it afterwards and, and figure it out. Uh, Craig, the winemaker, is really into um, like graffiti and you know guys like Banksy that were that have taken sort of uh, like art from the streets into this sort of new direction. And so he's always trying to do that with his labels as well too, which I think is oh, rad. Super cool. Yeah, um, I feel like you guys do the same thing as well in the sense that like. <laughs> Pat and Betty's is both this like really beautifully designed like classic restaurant, but you know, looking you at yourself as well as all your staff as well as all your management, uh, you guys are all just like very chill, very relaxed, very I don't know, not not what people would think of when they like if you were to see that room with no people in it yeah. and then guess what the people serving would would be like. You would guess, you know, these like white blazers and like, you know, done up little coats. So I feel like you guys do the do the same thing. Uh, you know, what's the inspiration for that? Why, why isn't the service like uh, like super gnarly? Where is that part of your philosophy? I think, I think there's this, this like classic elegance of the space for sure. We wanted to transport people out of Calgary when they basically go into it. Feel more like uh, an old world city and, and kind of go that approach. So the room is definitely designed in that that style but then there's those crazy pops of color uh and then you kind of walk your way around the space and you can definitely see influences of myself my business partner james uh of like the like tattoo flash and like the private dining room that's mm -hmm. kind of hidden away but definitely there some of the art but having the like uh our big bear brick in there kind of elevated around like this classic huge like beautiful glass chandelier uh and so yeah definitely influences behind that like both of us are hugely into music, hip hop, rap, and, and sports as well, and, and tattooing and fashion and all those. So kind of tying all those together for our personality, but giving it a classic, elegant space that uh, can kind of invite anyone into, which uh, I think is unique and, and definitely very fun. Absolutely. Um, all right. So our, our second bottle of bubbles today, this is coming from Christophe Mignon, who has a huge deep personal attachment for me. Um, I, I feel like I've talked about this on the podcast before, but essentially every year for Christmas, my dad and I, we get together and um, either on Christmas day or New Year's day, depending on when I can actually make it out there because he doesn't live in the, in the city, um, we drink champagne and grill hot dogs over the fire. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's minus 20 outside, doesn't matter if it's snowing, uh, we're always drinking a bottle of champagne and, and grilling hot dogs. And uh, this... You know, Christophe Mignon was the first champagne that we did it with. And at that time, it wasn't available in Alberta. And so I really went out of my way to to track down uh, bottles of Christophe Mignon. Uh, my dad lives in, in western New York, so halfway between Buffalo and Rochester. Uh, it's the middle of nowhere, essentially. Think like southern, southern Ontario, uh, <laughs> <laughs> essentially. It's closer to Toronto than it is to, uh, to New York City, for instance. 
Um, anyways, so we, we would order bottles of Christophe Mignon to drink. And then during the pandemic, obviously I wasn't able to go out there. And so we reached out to Christophe Mignon and, you know, I, I gave him sort of my sob story of like, I drink your wine every year with my dad. Now I can't get it. Uh, you know, I can't go visit him. Is there any way that you'd be willing to sell us a couple bottles? And they were like, absolutely. Like we will find a way to sell you a couple bottles. So our allocation is ludicrously small. Most of their cuvées, we get less than 24 bottles a year of, uh, this wine we actually had enough of to uh, share with everybody, but this wine is actually exclusive to bricks. And so Bricks was kind enough to let us have, uh, you know, like three six packs for the premium wine club um, so that, you know, that everybody could enjoy this, essentially. Um, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> hot, hot dogs and champagne in the snow. That sounds like a that's the way to do yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like that's I don't know. I can't really think of a celebration better than that. Yeah, this is just like the the most sort of like razor blade precise style of champagne. Um, they're in the Val de la Marne, um, so the colder area of Champagne that's famous for Pinot Meunier. Um, and this is actually 100% Pinot Meunier. So most people are, who are drinking Champagne, you know, we talked about Veuve Clicquot earlier. Um, that's a blend of three different grape varieties. So it's Pinot Noir, Chardonnay, and Pinot Meunier. And Pinot Meunier usually makes up sort of the smallest amount of it. Um, but historically speaking, in the, in the Marne Valley, Pinot Meunier is like the grape. Like that's... You know, that's the bread and butter. It uh, it flowers a little bit later, meaning that it doesn't get affected by frost quite as severely. Uh, it ripens quite early. So even in like the coldest of the cold climates in the Val de la Marne, you're still able to get really good quality fruit. Um, their vineyards are south facing. Uh, so you're still getting quite a bit of warmth here, uh, but their wines end up being super precise. They were one of the first ones to really focus on Brut Natsur, so champagne made with no sugar added. Um, again, you see something like, again, Fauve Clicquot, to use it as an easy example that everybody's experienced, uh, it has about 12 grams per liter of sugar um, versus this has zero grams per liter of sugar. So it's like there's a stark difference. Fauve Clicquot is very plush and very juicy and very soft versus this is like, again, razor sharp, super focused, really food oriented. Uh, this is... You know, Vuclico, I like drinking like, you know, after dinner almost like as a, as a little like digestif uh, kind of vibe versus this. Like this is with oysters. This is with, you know, with food, I think is a, a really amazing pairing. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think any, any sort of seafood with this would be amazing. Uh, I, I keep going back to pork and mustard after you said hot dog. And I'm like, mm. well, that, that combo with like that, the flavor profile just works so well. Yeah, man, schnitzel with this, like I'm all Absol about absolutely, that. absolutely. <laughs> yeah, a little sauerkraut in yeah. there, like oh, that's for perfect. sure. Yeah, these are just like so, yeah, so laser focused. He's such a talented winemaker and su such a weirdo. He's uh, he has a lot of really interesting theories behind farming. Um, he does like phytotherapy and plant homeopathy and some aspects of biodynamics and uh, some like weird stuff where he actually lined the inside of his winery with copper um, so that it could like intercept radio signals so that like no negative energy was like getting into the wine. And he is the first to admit that a lot of his theories are like a little bit out there. Like he is, he's fully aware. He's an incredibly <laughs> intelligent guy and he's just like, I, I hate to like, you know, he, he's like, I, I hate to be out there like this, but at the same time, he's like, this is what feels right to me. And the wines taste really good yeah. and they taste better when I do it this way, when I don't do it this way. 
I can't explain it. He's like, I come up with theories on why this is the case. But he's like, I don't know. Like, there's, there may not be any scientific evidence, but the evidence is in the glass. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> I like wines that are farmed and made this way. And I'm like, well, I agree with you. And 100%. It's, it's delicious. I think there's so. a huge part of energy in anything you do when you're when you're making something or behind it. You have you have dinner and you're upset. Is that doesn't taste nearly as good as when you have dinner Absolutely. and you're in a great space and enjoying totally. yourselves with people that you want to be around. So uh, I think that energy feast totally makes sense. And that what that works for him, then yeah, uh, kudos to him. Keep going that way. It's great juice. Totally. Yeah, and the intentionality of doing something as well too. I think 100. percent uh, okay, cool. So digressing to some of your, your other projects, we've talked about Pat and Betty a bunch, uh, which obviously I'm a, I'm a huge fan. Um, but also, uh, Paso Lomano. uh, this is like such a, su- such a fun project and one that I think struck at like the ultimate right time. Uh, and really, again, making the best of a bad situation, I think maybe you want to tell us a little bit about how that business started and, and sort of, uh, you know. Absolutely. It was, it was kind of the, the peak of the pandemic. We're three or four months in and we're like, what do we do? Uh, talking to my really good friend, Aaron Ellard, who's kind of the brain behind all of this. Uh, and he's like, hey, I'm, I want to do this pasta project and this one I'm working on. We're going to make some fresh pasta. Let's start selling it some retail stuff. And kind of slowly something. And I was like, oh, I'm like so on board. Uh, and I came on originally because I was like, let's just make a bunch of sauce that's cool and like yeah. uh, classic and not your like store-bought sauce that we can sell to people and, and do something that way. And so we launched our red sauce at the time I was making a ton of like tutorials online of like burning my time during COVID too. So like, mm-hmm. let's share, share some knowledge with some people and have some fun doing it. And so, uh, had great traction with that. So we're like, let's, let's try our first sauce. I've never canned anything before in my life really, except from like when I was a kid and yeah. like, preserving like pears and peaches and stuff with my mom when I was growing up and like some jam. So learning that on like a commercial scale and what we can do to kind of develop it. And, uh, fast forward nine months later, uh, we start talking about Pasta Club and we're like, hey, let's. what about a, prescri- a subscription service uh, that we involve great chefs and put together this amazing kit that we can send out to people. Uh, and that quickly snowballed from 150 members when we kind of first launched in the first month, which we were like stoked on just having that, uh, to like 500 the next month and then over well over 1,000 with like three months Jeez. in going that way. So wow. <laughs> uh, we've expanded to Edmonton and looking at expanding to some other cities in Canada and really growing that business. Uh, we have two locations as well now too, so it's, it's definitely evolved into a, a very different thing. So we have a little uh, pasta shop uh, deli counter on 15th Avenue and 4th Street Southwest. And then uh, we have a uh, quick service pasta shop uh, in First Street Market, right on mm-hmm. First Street there, kind of in tune with all the other projects that I work on as well. So yeah, uh, nice, cool, and unique space there. Absolutely. Yeah, my, my business partner is definitely a huge pasta fan, and so he'll often uh, end up in there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, me, i got to be in the mood for pasta, in all honesty. Like, it's, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, I, I feel like I need to be motivated to go yeah. into that big bowl. <laughs> Uh, but when I want it, it's like it's nice to have it uh, again, literally across the street absolutely, from absolutely. me. Absolutely, yeah. I'm, I'm a sucker for pasta. I think that's like the love of it, and why 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 we've seen great success with that. Me and Aaron both just love pasta. Like it's uh, become an obsession. Watching Aaron in the pasta shop and him growing his skill set in there, and our actual our culinary developing chef is out in uh, Italy right now in Bologna doing a pasta course, Sweet. and he's there for three months. So really excited to see what we Whoa. can bring to the market after all this is uh, coming to be and where yeah. the expansion brand grows. But it's been a, a very fun very cool project to, totally. to be a part of. Yeah. I feel like I should definitely have Aaron on this show because I've known Aaron for like t- probably like 12, 13 years now yeah. from like back when he used to be in like the fashion side of things. Absolutely. Like, yeah, I used to go to the gallery like back in the day when it was in the Made by Marcus space. Yeah. Which is, it's like such a crazy throwback, but I still have clothes that I bought there. Yeah. Like, 
you know, 14, 14 years ago, probably. I, I lived uh, like literally like two blocks away from there when I first moved to Calgary and Aaron was one of my first friends when I moved to the city. So crazy. that's kind of how that evolution. Then funny yeah. enough, we actually were lived in Abbotsford, like two blocks away from each other when we were like super Whoa. young, but had no idea. Uh, and so yeah, fast friends from there, but we always wanted to do a project and then fast forward like 13 years later, 12 years <laughs> later, we're like, Hey, let's do a pasta company and yeah. seeing the, seeing it grow. And uh, yeah, definitely very fun to be a part of that with someone that you're super close with and, and a great friend. So totally. Yeah, you've done a lot of really cool collaborations through that club. What are some of uh, maybe like the highlights um, for chefs that have done things that you've been really excited about with that club? It's cool to see the, the growth on it. Like I love the the collaboration with Scott McKenzie at River Cafe. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, me and him, same thing. We grew up in Abbotsford together too. So kind of Crazy. a unique kind of play. We've never cooked together. So uh, we actually have a, a visa dinner coming up in November. That will be the first time we've ever cooked mm-hmm. together in a collaboration setting. So super Wild. excited for that. Uh, and having him part of Pass Club was amazing as well. Uh, I really am excited for the 10 foot Henry collab we're doing right now uh, mm. for next month. Uh, it looks insane. Steve did a great job and I'm super yeah. excited to see what the, what all of our guests think of it. So, totally. uh, and then yeah, over the last little bit here, we started doing some wine pairings as well with all of our pasta clubs. So just yep. having that as another piece has been amazing as well. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Yeah. I love the, obviously I love the wine component of it as well too. And, uh, seeing everybody be creative on, on ways of, Again, because like this is the thing: is that like it needs to be affordable for everybody. Absolutely. It needs to be like satiating. I like that you also get just like some some pasta as well too. Like it's not just the the dish yeah. that the chef has made, but they're also like, hey, here's also some pasta. Here's a recommended recipe. But like, regardless, you've got some noodles to to play with at the Absolutely. end of this thing, and I think that's really fun as well too. Because yeah, like, we started to add on a bunch of like subsidies to it too, so you can have like another pasta or like like you said with that card on there, we'll give you kind of a suggested recipe, and we'll also give you like a full recipe if you want to buy the kit as well. So yeah, seeing that's very cool, and uh, then just kind of the evolution of people like hey, now they're members for a while, they're like cool, I'm gonna add on some sauce, I want some stuff pasta you guys do all this sort totally. of stuff, and uh, yeah. now you can kind of really make your own kit and uh, provide that uh, that meal for five, six, seven, if you want to. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, it's, it's epic. Yeah. Uh, so just to digress the wine for one more second here, uh, as mentioned, the whole idea behind this, uh, these two wines being side by side is to see the two different styles of fermentation for sparkling wine. Um, so, you know, you could just inject wine with CO2. We call this the baby duck method. Uh, they just purchase the equipment from Pepsi or something like that. And then they just, you know, inject wine with CO2, <laughs> which is great fantastic you've made something bubbly um but both of these are are, uh sparkling in a natural sense as in uh there are microorganisms that make this sparkling so in the first one in the testolonga fermentation is taking place so yeast is converting the sugar in grape juice into uh alcohol as well as co2 and then you're capturing that in the bottle with champagne what you're doing is you're making a still white wine so just a regular white wine And then what you're doing is you're adding a very calculated amount of sugar and yeast to the bottle and then letting it ferment in the bottle. Um, You're usually aging it on those those yeast cells, uh, which we call lees, for a longer period of time. So you tend to end up with more of a toastiness, more of a savoriness. Um, We call this autolysis. Uh, You can also have this with making bread, for instance, uh, where you're trying to get the flavors out of the yeast, not just out of the grains that you're using. Uh, and so this is actually coming from, I believe, the 2017 and 2018 vintage uh, that they use half and half uh, of each. Um, so you end up with, you know, every year that they release this wine, it's two different vintages blended together so that you end up with a more well-rounded version of, of what it is. 
Um, but yeah, so this is, you know, they're adding a small amount of yeast, small amount of sugar to do the fermentation. Again, none of that sugar is left over, zero grams per liter uh, of sugar in this essentially. And it just makes for this really precise, but more sort of toasty wine um, versus the El Bandito is more primary fruit characteristics, more, again, more fruit characteristics realistically. Um, but yeah, so we wanted to show that side by side. I think you can really tell the difference between these two wines, one being made as a, a Pet Nat and one being made as champagne. Also the champagne, I would happily lay this down for another 10 years. Uh, I think it's going to age absolutely gorgeously. Um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's a nice treat to get to have this before noon. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Special side by side. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, cool. So next up, we're going to get into Candeli, uh, our red wine of the month. Um, usually what we try and do on, uh, on this, I don't know, for, for this little, uh, little collection is we'll do two whites, one red, one month, and then we'll do two reds, one white, one month, and we kind of alternate between the two of them. So this month is the, uh, the two bubbles and one red, and the next month will be two reds and a bottle of something. I haven't even figured out next month yet, actually, which is, uh. Normally, I'm like prepared months in advance, but this is slightly different this year. Um, so next up, we have Kindeli. This is a winery that I actually worked at uh, down in New Zealand uh, a handful of years ago. Uh, every year that we get a new vintage, I get incredibly excited because I just know them so well. I know the vineyards so well. Spend, I don't know, a couple weeks down there harvesting grapes and helping make wine and all that sort of stuff. So it definitely has a, uh, a soft spot in my heart. Um, this is uh, Luna Yena. Uh, so this is a new wine to them. This is only the second vintage of it. Second vintage? Pretty sure it's the second vintage of it. Um, and it's a really crazy blend uh, of grapes from both around their property and from um, a neighboring property within the region that are both planted on a particular type of clay and gravel um, that you only have in this part of New Zealand. Uh, this is usually a blend of Syrah, uh, Malbec, Merlot, and a little bit of Pinot Noir that they have on their on their own farm as well. Syrah is also on their own farm. That's usually where the cows like to hang out, is over by the Syrah. Not sure why. It's a very beautiful area if that counts for anything. So, uh, but yeah, this will be my first taste of the new vintage. So I'm, I'm incredibly excited. You don't get a lot of it. So only like 60 bottles for Alberta. So, oh yeah, it's rocking. Tastes super, smells super Syrah-y mm-hmm. today. That really like um, peppery, flinty, uh, like pencil lead shavings kind of, you know, smoky earthiness to it. Uh, have you had many Candeli wines in the past? I have not. No? No. Sweet. Yeah. yeah. Super interesting. Yeah, the nose is great. Like, does not match the palate. And I, like, love mm, it. Totally. Like, it's so soft. It's mm. delicious. Yeah, absolutely. I can drink a lot of that. Yeah. Mm. They really kind of, uh, yeah, smoky bacon note on the palate. Like, 100%. that's classic Syrah. Definitely get a lot of that Malbec-y kind of purple fruit and violets and, and things like that. Yeah, really, really fun little wine here. Mm, digging yeah, it. Yeah, made a really unique approach with all the, that blend for like the tannins and like the structure. It's just like... Absolutely. Definitely crushable. <laughs> yeah, it's this like weird combination of like light and body, but then also has a, these nice sort of like etched tannins, like really kind of fine point tannins. Yeah. Um, yeah, really gastronomic wine for sure. Totally. 
yeah, digging it. Plus the packaging on this is just outrageous. It's one of my favorites for sure. Yeah, I love the spirit animals under the moon. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, his wife is uh, from Argentina. And so her best friend growing up does all their illustrations for them. And he's just obsessed with Spanish culture in, in general. And so he chose kind of a handful of Spanish animals to include on his labels. Um, often it's the fox. But uh, yeah, in this case, this is the the wild boar and the, uh, and, and, and the fox kicking around here i think on the white it's with the owl as well so some, some good good animals on there yeah cool um so we've talked about pasta we've talked about patent beddings uh now talk about burgers uh <laughs> now, now we're talking about a about a red wine here you know good good oh, yeah, burger this, this would work well for sure yeah absolutely so yeah what was the what was the impetus for uh for for burgers uh yeah burger club was kind of that inception of my uh boredom of the pandemic and a search for a good cheeseburger and so uh and just started yeah doing it on my apartment having a kind of a chat of like oh i'd love to do like a burger concept or like some sort of thing like that at the time there's only like one or two kind of people in the city doing like a burger that was more that classic americana piece so for me i just wanted to kind of combine the best of all those those worlds for this nostalgic like smash burger piece that uh totally. it's a really really tasty uh, tasty burger at the end of the day so yeah for me i'm like a burger is like amazing beef uh great cheese like the classic uh an amazing sauce and onion and, and that's yeah. kind of the element of all that the pickle kind of comboed in there with the sauce that we're doing for burger club but uh those pieces for me like that that stand out as like the burger piece so uh yeah we started burger club in january 2021 yeah <laughs> yeah a year and a half ago yeah. but uh with insane success for the calgary piece like uh people were super excited about it which yeah. is amazing to see we sold out uh, our first day did well over a thousand burgers over the first couple days Holy. uh and it just kind of <laughs> snowballed from there and uh it was a crazy re reaction and people loved it during the pandemic i'm just like here's something super comfortable and and fun and yeah uh i love the branding behind the concept and we just mm. had we just had fun with it it was uh literally one burger done three different ways basically and that's yeah. it and so uh some amazing tater tots on the side that everyone loves Perfect. and can kind of bring that nostalgic too so we grew that opened one in toronto kind of shortly after within like a couple months and then vancouver uh and then kind of looking where the expansion can kind of go from there so Sweet. we've been kind of a year and a half almost two, well almost two years in now doing yeah. it and uh yeah it's still it's still going strong and like in Vancouver right in English Bay so grab one go to the beach hang out and, oh yeah uh, like having that piece <laughs> is like unreal and then Toronto right down in the financial district so lots of people nice. walking around and be able to grab it totally. and that, that as well and awesome collaboration with Craft Beer Market having them kind of do it out of their kitchens and mm. um the team there that I worked with as well and kind of do some mini development for. So they kind of know my, my style and what I'm looking for. So it's been a Absolutely. really, really great collaboration and uh, great support from uh, the teams there and the, the ownership behind craft as well. So mm -hmm. yeah. I feel like you've had a lot of really good luck having a lot of great cooks around you where it's, it's one thing for you to come up with like a really great menu, but I feel like you've had a lot of people around you. that are so good at executing that. Like, yeah. again, I'm more familiar with the, the crew at Pat and Betty's just because yeah. I'm, in there all the time and actually at, at like you know the mono as well too like i i know that crew fairly well i yeah. see them very often yeah. <laughs> uh and so it's like wh like what do you think your success is from finding the right people for the right spots like uh, is there anything that you think that you do that that 
helps with that or like is it just pure luck of the draw <laughs> no i think there's like elements to it for sure like for me like i'm not i've never been that like stereotypical chef that like would freak out or do anything in like that like negative sense for me yeah. i've always been very supportive and i've wanted to see team rami grow and like i've known that that's the fundamental key to success is having great people around you to like that can execute and yeah want to work with you want to work for you uh and are excited to push the needle forward so like pat and betty's a great example like our, our chef team there is absolutely incredible like yeah uh, our chef of cuisine samir is amazing does a fantastic job job uh super passionate driven alex our sous chef's the same so having two guys like that that are like let's do this and every day are like passionate and excited and push that envelope forward same with our team at Lamano being like hey we really want to push past the culture and like developing a better product and making better process and mm-hmm. collaborating with great people and having that uh and even coming to burger club and working with like the chef teams at craft like crafts are a beast like they're like some yeah. of the craziest restaurants in the country to work for totally. as far as volume and execution goes uh those those cooks will put out thousands and thousands of plates in a day which is yeah. unreal to see but their attention to detail is still there and so mm-hmm. having the the team there be super passionate and excited about it and me working with them previously when i decided to do burger club and we all put this together and it worked out of there like uh, working with all of them before they're like we want to see this be successful and it brought so many people back to work during the pandemic too so there's like an an, uh, an affection to it from like the team there as well of like hey like this is we got us back in back in working we're out of uh, off of serve off of these pieces because of this fun yeah. concept and so that and then I think just encouraging that growth with people too like I always want someone to do that whether uh, say they max out their talents one place and they're like hey I want to really grow and do something else like I always try to find something different whether it's with myself or a friend or that so I think it's just yourself with people that want to grow and learn and giving them as much development as much time as you can to see them be successful but also just be nice like that's (laughs) the number one thing it's like if you're nice and you have an expectation and you hold people accountable and uh, you help people grow that's what people are looking for I think at the end of the day so uh, really for me that's the that's the number one absolutely um digressing to burgers because I'm always curious what are there like burgers that you've had internationally that inspired you to want to do this like what what are the burgers that you look up to well that's a tough one uh <laughs> i really like hop dotty in austin okay uh they're like all over texas now i think actually uh but they're kind of like a more elevated burger joint they have like a different they're, they're a ranch specific they have like three or four different burgers from different ranches Whoa. cool like cocktail kind of uh beer international or uh, ins- inspirational program there too so they're like hey like, yeah, like local stuff stuff from international uh and it's really pushing that and everything's kind of different between their locations too so kind of an interesting bur- burger concept but uh they have like dirty fries all these other pieces that i'm just like oh this mm-hmm. is cool but they still kind of hit that a classic americana yeah uh, for me in and out is like number one i like love an in and out burger totally uh and it's just finding those little pieces too i'm like i think like how do you balance out the like love of a great cheeseburger with like the elements that you really enjoy yeah. Uh, so for me too it's like taking inspiration from leaving places like Egg Slot and stuff like that where like it's just like yeah. great cheese with like the simple format great sauce and so really for me that's kind of the where, where it came from so like Burger Club is just like a really good sauce it's dill a house-made pickle, mustard, mayo a little bit of sweetness a little bit of spice yeah. all in that concept with like a ton of American cheese melted and then brown sugar onion. So you get that sweetness to kind of cut yeah. through all that acid and fat uh, to go that way too. And then it's on a great butter toasted potato bun. So yeah, uh, really just like those elements stacked on top of one another. For me, that's what makes the perfect burger, like the tang, the sweetness, the little bit of spice, the fat, all that kind of coming together in like a yeah. perfect vessel. Totally. Uh, and a burger should be messy. Like if it's not all over my hands, it's not like, is it really worth it? <laughs> <laughs> that's totally fair yeah. too. 
Yeah, that's one of the things that I always really appreciate about those burgers is that there is acidity. Like that's one of the things that I find about burgers that do fall flat. It's the ones that like are lacking that pickle, are lacking, you know, a little bit of vinegar in the sauce, like things like that. You need something to cut through that fat. You can't just be like, you know, buttery, heavy bun on, you know beef on except on like sauce on this like you need a little bit of acidity and so that's one of the things that i really like is that it's like you know it's a classic playback of just like that salt fat acid and then like sugar is the very underrated one like that can be like the the deciding factor to make something really balanced yeah Uh, but it's like you play those four elements really well off one another you're gonna have a great great food regardless of what you're eating totally (laughs) yeah absolutely and this wine would be great with it (laughs) yeah totally this is rocking right now the other thing that's cool about this wine is that it's actually aged in amphora so it's all uh is it aged in amphora this year i can't remember off the top of my head i feel like this is aged in amphora so like in clay pots um and so it just kind of like changes the the vibe of it a little looser knit a little more kind of you know wild it gets a little more oxygen in there so it's like i find the wine is a little bit more expansive um but yeah even as it's opening up right now it's it's tasting uh totally super good it's to breathe and grow as it ages there in that that format which is very cool to see yeah absolutely uh yeah cool i guess the last thing for you is uh you know what what wines are you drinking these days you know it doesn't have to be ours obviously it can be whatever whatever you're digging um what are you going to what are you reaching for oh it's been kind of a a, a, definitely a big gap of stuff for sure a lot more white and sparkling and even with it getting a bit colder i'm definitely more gravitating towards that these days i love sparkling wine so like i literally like what what can fill the cup with that whether it's like a pet nat some orange sparkling bubbles traditional champagne uh cava everything like that so for me i'm definitely going more that direction uh i really love the Retsina from you, uh, the mm. Camara, and I like have drank a ton of that, and I think yeah. it pairs so well with like cool seafood dishes and like especially anything like raw bar format. And so yeah. uh, I definitely gravitate to that, and that's like my one of my favorite wines right now. Um, and then as far as reds go, like I'm really liking like Cab Franc and like Pinot Blanc and uh, or sorry the Pinot Noir from like anything in like the Oregon Valley and that sort of piece. So yeah. a little more funk to it. Uh, but yeah, that's definitely what I'm more gravitating towards these days. Sweet, yeah. Yeah, those are all good things. And like again. All all food friendly things absolutely you know when we talk to to people who cook for a living it's often you know they don't want to drink these like really ostentatious red wines that really weigh you down or like you know like over the top like buttery chardonnay like you know th- those have their place in the world for sure but when when you know somebody's working hard behind a hot stove you, you need uh you need some crisp refreshing absolutely. vibrant you know a little bit of funk to kind of like wake up your palate yeah uh, yeah i feel like that makes a ton of sense absolutely yeah i find like the, even like tons of greek wine right now that's been super interesting coming to oh, yeah, here absolutely. so any, anything like that it's just like they're so fresh so crisp i'm like yeah, yeah I, can, I can crush it all day i drank a bottle last night i was like i love this it's so good nice that's <laughs> awesome yeah, yeah shout out to uh paul martukas uh if anybody's ever on the hunt for greek wine he's uh Local legend, uh, Greek Tom Cruise, as we like to call him, because <laughs> uh, he's the ageless wonder. Uh, <laughs> uh, cool. Well, I think we'll we'll uh, wrap it up there. But thank you everybody for uh, taking the time to listen today. Um, if anybody has any additional questions, you can send me an email. Uh, my email address is Eric E R I K at juiceimports.com uh, you can send us a message on Instagram we're just at juiceimports we'd love hearing from you we'd love to hear what you think of the wines uh, and definitely let us know if you end up at uh, you know any of the aforementioned establishments uh, I don't know if you have any closing words that you want to say or hey thanks so much for having me Eric hey. I really appreciate it it's great to taste some great wine first thing in the morning on a Friday I can't yeah. complain and, <laughs> and if anyone's interested in more of the stuff I'm doing come check me out on Instagram at Chef Pijo. Cool. Awesome. Well, thanks for being here. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Cheers.